Hello and welcome back to In Her Lens. I'm your host, Nadine Rumer, and in this series, I chat with today's women filmmakers. Today, I'm joined by Yosh Duk. Yosh is a filmmaker and actress based, just like myself, somewhere on an airplane seat between Amsterdam and New York City. She wrote and directed the short film Night, which won the HuffPost Arts Impact Award, as well as being invited to screen at Disney Studios. Yosha was born in the Netherlands, where at the age of 15, she was cast in the successful children's television series Snuff the Dog, ofwel Snuff the Hond. At 17, Yosha moved to New York City to study filmmaking, acting, and journalism at NYU. In collaboration with the Dutch network VPRO, Yosha wrote and directed her first pilot, Gappies. This led her to direct her first full web series, Fit Girls, and her upcoming second full web series, The Edelfigurant, or in English, The Featured Extra. In this episode, Yosh and I talk about her journey to filmmaking, about grant applications and her rejection folder, writing short narratives and growing alongside your work. We discuss the importance of recognizing your strengths and admitting your limitations on set. Plus, we throw in the occasional Dutch word. Yosha brings it all to the table, so let's just get right into it. Here's Yosha on In Her Lens. Yosha! Welcome to In Her Lens. I'm so Thank happy you. That you're here. I am very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So we always start off by asking, what is the most recent film that you've seen? Ooh, I saw uh, Down by Law, this old Jim Jarmusch movie, most recently, because I have a kind of film club that came out of. Uh, I studied at NYU, and together with. Uh, a professor and a fellow student we created our own class basically for just the two of us with our professor where we would watch a filmmaker's entire uh, body of work and then um, and then review kind of see how they progress as a filmmaker so we're currently doing Jim Jarmusch so I wow. watched Down by Law and then I also saw Tenet recently oh in interesting theaters. that's funny because yeah. the previous person on the podcast I actually don't know which episode that will be but uh-huh. Yasmin who's also Dutch um, uh-huh. she also had just seen Tenet. Yeah, because it's like the only movie that came out recently. So we're like, well, it's a true. movie, yeah. But tell me what you thought about uh, Jarmusch. He has, we I, we saw a couple of his films um, by now. So it's very interesting. It actually inspired me, COVID-related, that he had very minimal means and just a few characters and had very simplistic uh, uh, coverage of his, uh, the, the angles, camera angles, and I, and I but he still told kind of a great and beautiful human story. So mm-hmm. I was like, maybe this is where movie, uh, movie making, movie is going. making will, will be headed because all the, you know, huge Marvel yeah. movies that I can imagine that will be more complicated to set up than early Jim Jarmusch style. Yeah, so it true. actually inspired me a lot in terms of like what you can do with very little, which I think for filmmakers mm-hmm. when you're starting out is always a great thing to, to definitely yeah. definitely and you don't need a lot to make good stuff yeah exactly yeah. small team yeah people you trust yeah. exactly and it's it's about the story and everything around it obviously production value once you get bigger will be exciting that you can make more beautiful things i think in the beginning if, if your story has a good heart then you can make something great even with small mm-hmm. means. So I love, I love that the combination is that and then tenant. Yeah, is which like is the complete, biggest. Well, and to me, opposite. and I, I think I enjoyed Jim Jarmusch more than than I did. Tenant was very overwhelming and it was very exciting to watch. It was like 
full on movie experience. Story wise, I was like trying to catch up and it was very complicated. So I don't know if it was my movie, but I think it's interesting because there's huge action scenes and then in yeah. between the little action scenes, there's like five lines of dialogue. And if you miss yeah. those, like, you, you cannot go you to the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about you and your childhood, where you grew up, your parents. Um, was creativity a thing that was ensued at home? I know that yeah. you started performing at a young age. Yeah, so I, I was very, as my mom told me that I was very shy as a child. And because of that, she was like, maybe she should take some drama, drama lessons and kind of become more extroverted. So I started taking acting classes, but in just at a youth theater school in my hometown, The Hague, when I was, I think, five or six or something like that, maybe a little older. And then I absolutely loved it. And it definitely like helped me kind of become more outgoing and, and in touch with myself at a young, like I, I became less and less shy. So mm -hmm. uh, I kept doing that, but it was always just a hobby and I enjoyed it very much. And we would every now and then casting directors would come to the theater school and ask uh, family members like, would you would your child want to audition for this or that? And, I, and my mom and I would always be like, no, it's just a hobby. It's fun, but not something that I would want to do in front of a screen. When I was 15, Again, this casting director came, the, the director of one of the plays, he was uh, uh, the casting director for a Dutch children's television show. And again, he asked me to audition. And I think by that age, I was, I was 15. I was like, okay, why not? So I auditioned and then I booked uh, the, the Dutch TV series. And that was the first time I was actually on a professional set. And it, it somehow clicked that this was something that you could do with your life with your as life, a profession. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd never considered that because I didn't come from a creative household when it comes to uh, what my parents did. They're mm -hmm. both lawyers and I had a very academic uh, upbringing, mm -hmm. but they did always introduce me to uh, visual art. We always went to museums in France and in Italy and, and here back home. And we, my parents had obsessions with all these different painters. Um, so I, w I, I was introduced to visual art from a very young age, but not necessarily acting, filmmaking, theater in mm -hmm. a professional sense. Uh, I didn't grow up in a household that necessarily um, was going to the theater and exactly and we we did it a lot but somehow i always saw it as like a separate thing not something I yeah like a sunday afternoon called yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so it wasn't until i was on a set for the first time that i was like whoa this is magic <laughs> and i want to do this and but that was more from the acting mm -hmm. point of view and i right. acted there and then i i continued acting uh, after uh, and had guest roles every now and then in in tv projects and then i moved to the US to study. And then during my my studies was when I found out that I had other interests within the world of filmmaking. And what, what prompted you to come to the States or want to go to the States? So I remember very clearly not knowing what I wanted to do when it came to study. Because in Holland, you um, pick one kind of major or, mm -hmm. or focus of study after you graduate from high school. So, and I, I was interested in law. I was, or I wasn't necessarily interested in law, but I was like, curious about law because it had been my both my parents profession right uh, I was interested in acting I, I liked journalism I liked fashion I was good at math in high school I was like maybe that's what I should do with my life so I had just so many different interests and I didn't know which one to pick uh to to go to university for and um and it felt very random to just pick one and go with it and then after a year find out that you didn't like it because that happens a lot mm -hmm. in Holland where you then you then try to switch your yeah. degree but then you yeah. have to kind of start over yeah so so, um, so I was like, I want to do a year where I kind of take all these different courses and then find out what I like. And in uh, the U.S., that's the system of, yeah. of studying liberal arts. You 
create a, a bunch of kind of a package for yourself in your first year and then slowly focus more and more on what you want to do. So I, I went to the U.S. just thinking I would take a gap year and then take all these different courses and then go back to mm-hmm. Holland. But I have been there. You stuck. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just loved the I loved it there. And then after yeah. a year, I kind of ended uh, in, in studying mostly acting and journalism. This combination I wouldn't be able to do back home. And I also loved being in New York. And I mm-hmm. had met so many friends by then. Because like, you went to NYU. Yeah, I yeah. went to NYU. So I... I I only uh, applied to universities in New York because I was like, I want to go to New York. Um, and I didn't understand the school system all that well, but I was like, I'll just apply to a bunch of universities in New York and I'll see what sticks. So then I got into NYU and then all my friends were like, why would you go to NYU for one year? Like this is like in the US, it's like such a thing in your final year, you like apply to all these different Yeah, it's a big because like, I did my last two yeah. years in the States and oh, it yeah. is like your junior year of high yeah. school is like, that's where your grades really count. And then, you know, I'll, I'll put to like whatever holiday break mm-hmm. that you have in, in, uh, in January of senior year, that's when it kind of is like, okay, you get your responses back and yeah. then it's like, I'm off and I'm already going to college. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. So all my friends had that mentality and were like, I'm finally at NYU. And especially in New York, because people come from all over the US mm-hmm. and they're like, I can be myself. I'm here, like, yeah. I'm free. And they're like, why would you stay for one year? By the end of that year, uh, also because they're, I, I was so excited by the, the field of study I was uh, entering. I wanted to stay and then I, yeah, I went to NYU, studied acting and journalism mostly my first two years um, in this program called Liberal Studies and then transitioned to a school called Gallatin, the School of Individualized Study. And then um, through taking classes that were in uh, kind of the realms of journalism and acting, but also had some overlap with screenwriting or with directing, I found out I wanted to do that and fell in love with the uh, kind of the be- behind the camera. Because I know that you did a, a, also a lot of performing still at NYU. Yeah. Building your community there. How did yeah. you find that? Like finding, because I know, because I mean, I met you in New York, but yeah. New York is, it's not an easy city. I mean, no. also the, the fact that you stayed longer than one year, because it takes time to get to know it. Exactly. And get to know people. Because yeah. people are always going somewhere, making plans, yeah. like having a purpose. Two p.m. So it's hard. Four p.m. Yeah. yeah Everyone true. has full days. Yeah. So it's actually really hard to meet people, yeah. find people, and stick with people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how was that for you? So I had, my roommate was a, she studied film, so I think part of it is also luck. And we became best friends like day one, we had the same bed sheets uh, when we came to, <laughs> and we were like, you are my person. <laughs> so I was very lucky to meet her also as someone who didn't know anyone in New York or in the US in general, like Thanksgiving came along. She's like, you can come <laughs> to my house. I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, we became very close and I would always act in a student film. So I, as an actor, applied to just a bunch of different student films and in, in film classes, they would need actors to come in and rehearse. And I was very excited as an actor to be part of all these different super small film projects that were just for mm-hmm. people's classes or like their first, it was called sight and sound films that were, I think, in black and white, didn't even have audio. And so it was like all these super small projects, but through those, through acting in those, I... Uh, I met a bunch of people who did directing and writing and and who were gaffers or DPs and, you know, starting out like we were. And then I think at some point I would just come home after being on student sets and I would tell my roommate like, oh, if I were the director, I would do it this or that way. Or if I had written that, I wouldn't have put in that scene. And she kept being like, Yoshi, you, you consistently don't talk about how the acting was, but how what you would do if you were the writer or the director. So then why don't you write or direct something? And then I submitted to a few grants that were possible, that were uh, available at at, uh, Gallatin. And I think I was lucky that Gallatin was the school of individualized study. So it wasn't like everyone studied film. 
I wanted to do a research project on what it was like to make a film from an actor's perspective. Uh-huh. And then that led to making my own first, uh, first short film as a writer and director. But I think it was just mostly if I think about those first years, it was just saying yes to everything. And, and it wasn't always creatively the most fulfilling but just being on set and being with fellow students who are also figuring it out and don't know yet what they what their voice as a filmmaker is but are excited to collaborate with with other students that was definitely for me the starting point and what made me excited to also make my Mm -hmm. own thing being open to having new experiences at school and not expecting everything to be extremely professional from the beginning accepting that you're all kind of still figuring it out from the beginning that I think is very important do you still identify as a hyphenated artist? Do you still see yourself as an actor? And navigating those identities, it's it's difficult because it also art, feels... Yeah. And like this is coming from somebody as an actor who yeah. also likes other things. Yeah. It's, oh, should I dedicate myself to this one yeah, thing because it feels like it takes yeah. up a lot of my time? Yeah. Or should I yeah. be spreading my eggs in many baskets? Yeah. But then am I making a mistake? Exactly. It's by always not managing all, yeah, yeah, by not putting enough in everything. Yeah. Like, it's always managing what other people's expectations of what you should be doing and then your own passions and figuring out that balance yeah i would that always to me is the biggest struggle i combine kind of my interests then don't am i not putting enough attention to each but um i think in my case um once i started writing and directing it kind of clicked and it fit and i realized that i was more happy doing it because I was a little bit more in control and I think mm-hmm. my personality I just like being kind of in control of my own career and I think with acting there's so many elements that are entirely outside your control uh, and I found that really hard and even with like typecasting or being cast in, in certain in Holland I would always be cast as the Jewish girl because I'm a Jewish uh-huh. girl and I, I just realized that if I especially because I also studied journalism if I was interested in tackling some of the topics that I was covering in journalism classes in a more creative way I would have to do that myself because I you know couldn't necessarily wait around and see if someone w- yeah. was going to make a project about my interests you know yeah. so I think it the the shift came gradually especially because i made a short kind of from an actor's perspective and then on that set realized i liked the writing and the directing more mm-hmm. it's interesting that other people always introduce me as a filmmaker and an actor and then i almost mm-hmm. feel guilty sometimes i'm like well but i don't act that much anymore but in my own projects i always find some small role i still love acting as much as i did uh, in my teens and, and early 20s but it's not mm-hmm. something I pursue as actively as like my daily life is focusing on the writing and directing yeah. and then I, I do think that had consequences in terms of like I don't go on auditions anymore but I have my own projects that are kind of growing and I, I just did a project about a, a featured extra so about an extra on movie set so I play one of the directors on those sets so and then when I do it I'm always like oh I miss this I should do this more mm-hmm. but I think I didn't even necessarily make the conscious choice but it just naturally, in my case, um, I, I felt more fulfilled in the writing and in directing. So that's what I'm currently most pursuing most. But I still struggle to this day with like figuring out how much time to put in each. Yeah, I think, I mean, one thing that I've been trying to maybe tell myself is also in certain points in your life, certain things 
demand your attention because yeah. it's flowing more yeah. easily. That doesn't yeah, exactly. mean it's not going to come back at a yeah. later date, but it's okay to be like, that is a part of my identity yeah. and this is a part of my identity. Yeah. And reminding yourself that the fact that you haven't been focused on it for maybe half a year, that doesn't mean you're not allowed to do it ever again. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, yeah. I felt that, like that a little bit with when people at a film festival or something introduce me and say I'm also an actor. I'm like, yeah, but the last time I, you know, really acted on someone else's set, it's been a while. I think, yeah, don't yeah. being not being too hard on yourself when it comes to what... Uh, All the things that matter to you, exactly. you know? Yeah. So let's talk a bit about your journey thus far with filmmaking. Yeah. So did it start with... I think your first short was Heavy Feathers. Yeah, exactly. And how did that happen and where did that idea come from? So Heavy Feathers was the short that I did um, from an actor's perspective. So I was at Gallatin and there was a grant available for doing research. And I was like, what within the world of filmmaking, what would I be excited to research. And I realized in theater, there's a lot of devised theaters where the actors are also very much part of the creative process. But mm -hmm. in filmmaking, it's often more divided. And I think in the last few years, it's changed a bit with like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And mm -hmm. I also think it's like interesting that it's kind of a female thing because maybe uh, women don't get opportunities as just yeah. filmmakers often. So you really, you often see actors transition like getting to... yourself into the space and exactly. then owning that space because now yeah. i think yeah it's also a lot of actresses are becoming producers or yeah, are producers so it's like yeah. uh, like you said like taking control over yeah. a narrative that yeah. actually somebody else is putting on you yeah. and you actually want to be a part of creating it yeah exactly yeah. and i find it interesting that i wonder if if they would have been able to write and direct if they hadn't already been an actors actor. and had mm -hmm. kind of that clout and like the the fame from being an actor and that mm -hmm. that gives somehow people trust them more to yeah. then also do writing and directing whereas i would hope that right writers and directors who are women don't have to start as actors because it's yeah. kind of random yeah. but in my case it was kind of a natural thing and i so uh, as an actor i noticed that in theater that was happening a lot and i was interested in pursuing that in film so i wrote a short It was, to be honest, it was based on, I, I remember going to a play and then being inspired to tell this story, but there was also definitely a big logistical mm -hmm. element of like, we had a house that was available that my friend's uh, grandma had upstate and we could shoot there. Mm -hmm. And then my good friend who I had an acting class with, we wanted to do something together. So it was only three roles about two young women and their mom um, who, but right before they turn 18, one of the women finds out something about their past with the, the mom's always told this kind of romantic story about who their dad was and mm -hmm. how he passed away. And then she kind of finds out that uh, that isn't the story about their family's history. So now that, now that I'm thinking, it's very fascinating. Like, I don't even know where that came from, but it was um, definitely for me, what I got out of that film most was first the exposure obviously getting to play at some festivals and, and really finding out about that side of the, the filmmaking right, world right. not just as an actor but then also in that process of doing research on what it's like to run a set from an actor's perspective um, I realized there's a reason why <laughs> there's writers and directors and then there's actors because I doing both is very complicated especially yeah. because you have to you know watch yourself and and be acting but then also be directing yourself in a way and then kind of what I noticed is that my best friend who was also mm -hmm. my roommate who was also ADing this broad project she took over kind of my direct so she would direct me and I would direct the other actors I think out of that I noticed that I I was mostly interested in doing that, mm -hmm. working with actors and working on the um, writing and directing of the film more than doing the acting and then letting someone else kind right. of direct. Because right. it, in my case, I think some people do it, but I find it very complicated to it's be It's a lot of trust, sides. too, I would yeah. imagine, because it's you have... Um 
ownership over over this film but then when you're in it you have to let go during the exactly. take and, and then, jumping back and forth and you also need like a strange sense of confidence that you're gonna if, if you're planning on directing yourself you have to act and then judge yourself objectively yeah which is impossible because you can only get that yeah, take yeah. in that moment and i think about like a star is born all the time with bradley cooper yeah and oh, i think yeah, about this because yeah, yeah. i'm like, like how did he yeah, do that because yeah. that is just it's very yeah. emotionally intense film too so yeah i wonder like, how didn't you anyone kind of work with him as basically a director in that context yeah, yeah. i wonder I know that we've spoken a little bit about this like years ago, but yeah. writing short films and yeah. writing short narratives, yeah. and you have a lot of experience with that because yeah. you've, you've done a lot of shorts, yeah. and you're currently working also on a lot of web series. Yeah, which is basically which is basically an yeah. extended short yeah. in different in different form. Yeah. What are your thoughts on writing a short narrative? I think when you start out, especially, it's important to be ambitious when it comes to what you want to say, but be not I, limited sounds negative, but be kind of concentrate it when it comes to the execution of it because that makes you way more free when it comes to uh, working with actors and having time for to, to shoot scenes. The first short I did after um, Heavy Feathers, which was my graduation film night, we had, I think, three locations, four actresses. The most complicated element, I think, were the extras because we had a scene in a club, which now that, it, now that it's COVID times, I'm like, a scene in a club? Don't do it. Do you not speak English? I said next. Everything all right? Hey, just go inside. There's something between this fake ID it's and me. It's not fake. They're with us. We just want to have a fun night. All right. All right. Wait, no. Who's so? Having um, a story in, in that case that took place over the course of one night, as the title says, that really helped kind of focus in on, zoom in on what really mattered for the mm -hmm. story and not trying to have like this whole, uh, uh, all these characters' histories and futures and uh, trying to make this gigantic uh, story. I think when you start out focusing on kind of a small event that happened and that... Um, maybe inspired you to, to write something around that mm -hmm. to me is the most was the most effective in in almost yeah kind of all the shorts i made they're yeah. very like very safe yeah, yeah exactly yeah. because i think that makes you able to really focus on developing your craft when it comes to directing and mm -hmm. when it comes to like working on a set with all these different people you're meet, meeting for the first time you know there's like a lot to take in mm -hmm. so if you challenge yourself too much when it comes to like the logistics i think you'll lose uh power in in your story and i think starting with a story obviously that you care about like looking around you in your everyday life and being mm -hmm. like what fascinates me and what what do i have conversations with my friends about when i'm having dinner with them at night and and what do i really get excited about or, or angry yeah. about or upset about or what do i have a lot of questions about like starting from there and then creating a story around your interest yeah because i was actually talking about this with somebody recently also the stories that are expected to come out of women and yeah. and women filmmakers and female identifying people how how are you navigating that is it are you keep trying to keep it as like you said as personal as possible and being like i'm just writing what excites me or do yeah. you feel that there is a pressure to tell certain stories i i don't necessarily feel a pressure but it is what i most i am most interested in like societal issues and things that like are uncomfortable in society and that we have very sometimes angry discussions about like what i like most is adding 
kind of a, a, a unique or comedic or kind of lighthearted perspective to a discussion that sometimes feels like you don't want to hear about it anymore mm-hmm. and kind of finding an original way to re-enter that discussion yeah. um, when half of the people have already kind of tuned out mm-hmm. uh, on a societal uh, level. I don't know if that sounds too vague, but like that's what I tend to be interested in. But I think as a woman and when you care about like the people around you and then live in the society from your own perspective, those types of stories are gonna are gonna come out inevitably. And I always I find it a very interesting discussion when we talk about like, do you wanna to be called a filmmaker or a female filmmaker. And I think right. most women will say, I just want to be a filmmaker. I'm not a female right. filmmaker. But I remember seeing a clip or, or reading an interview with Ava DuVernay. And she was like, I want to be called a black female filmmaker. Mm-hmm. That's what I am. And that's what I'm proud of. And right. I also really respect that. So yeah. I think we're also still figuring out. Yeah. How to navigate naming yeah. it because it is. Yeah. Obviously, at the end of the day, we wish we could all be everything, do everything, yeah. play everyone and yeah. and tell every story, but that is not the world exactly. that we live in. So there is that element yeah. of awareness around yeah. it and owning identities. Yeah. And then I also, I just did the web series I just did called Featured Extra, which every episode takes place on a different set for that. For example, I kind of consciously as a wink to myself, I don't think people will necessarily notice, but I made all the directors in every episode, like the the Mm. fictional directors, I made them all women because I just like that because I'm like, you do always put in kind of a little bit of your perspective and and sometimes with a wink. I remember like now that I'm watching the episodes and we're currently color grading, I don't even notice. I'm just watching the Mm. main character in this world and she's on different sets and I'm like, I'm not thinking, oh, that's another that's female so director. Wild. You know, so yeah, being conscious about what you can add. And I'm always mm-hmm. with, with casting. I do think it really matters. And also with crew to make sure that you're actually trying to have a diverse crew, have diverse mm-hmm. cast, not in a forceful way, but just because it's, I think, reflective of the world. Yeah, right? reflective yeah. of the world. And, and I think if you really try to look for the best people, you're going to find a really mm-hmm. exciting combination of people with different perspectives. And it's only going to make your story stronger. I think it's the reason why it's not happening enough is because like the ease of which if you look at people's networks, there's Mm -hmm. often a lot, like even when I was starting out as an actor, I remember all the sets were run by men. I knew mostly men going into filmmaking as well, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. that hard to find women. And they weren't always as experienced as the men were, but I definitely trusted Mm to work with if if I connected with them as people and if they were as ambitious as I was because I didn't start out with experience and yeah. I trusted myself to make things so I think um yeah being open to welcoming different people and giving others mm-hmm. the chances that you want to be given the huge part of of kind of collaboration and finding your crew and your cast and I think it's you know what you were saying about having um certain characters like the the directors be female in the series there's always a little bit of like the power of yeah. of, of what we see on screen we yeah, emulate exactly. right and yeah. like eventually like yeah. if we would hope you know and it's already changing but we would hope it wouldn't be yeah. a thing that we would have to sit here and talk yeah. about female yeah, exactly. filmmaking because yeah. we've already kind of emulated that yeah okay moving on a little bit because ugh, there's so much I want to talk to you about <laughs> but grant applications because I know that you've done yeah. a lot of grant applications in the Netherlands yeah. and and in the US yeah. and I have a Talk folder. Me, I have yeah. a folder with rejections. Every time I get rejected, I screenshot it. I put it in a folder. So far, I have no idea what I'm going to do with it, but it's a good reminder to myself that like you got rejected a yeah. lot. So yeah. I think when it comes to applying for grants, it's in my case, like starting out small and, and, and not necessarily expecting that you're for, I mean, 
I don't know if it's starting as well because like apply to anything mm-hmm. but I, I was gonna say like don't necessarily expect that your first draft of your first script is gonna get into the Sundance lab mm-hmm. but at the same time why not yeah. um, I remember I think uh, Nia DaCosta who's a filmmaker in the US she had I think her very first script mm-hmm. and hadn't even made shorts get accepted to Sundance because they were interested in her in the story that she had to tell. Definitely apply to anything that you think you have a chance of getting, but and then I think the most important part is don't get uh, uh, distraught by rejections because they're going to come out of way. Like 99% <laughs> of when you apply to things. And I and people only see the successes. That's where I'm like, I want to do something with my rejection. Yeah. Oh, you have so much experience with grants and applying. And I'm like, yeah. But I, in my in my memory, is mostly like getting a lot of no's. But I definitely mm-hmm. got some yeses. I first at NYU applying mm-hmm. to grants was very helpful because it also felt safe and it felt like within my right, community. space too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And then uh, in Holland, I didn't have a, a classic film education here, and I think the the funds here they tend to first look at the people who come out of the Dutch film schools. It's like a little bit harder maybe for me, for for them to see me as yeah. an uh, equal to the people who come out of like the Dutch film schools. I've applied to film fund stuff a bunch of times and I've never received it, but then I've applied to the MPO fund, which is more of like the television fund. And I was able to make my web series through that. So I think it's like, and hopefully in, in the near future, I'll be able to get yeah. a, a film grant and, and make a, a bigger project uh, in the film space. And then in, in the U.S., it's it's been a mix of... I, I find it more complicated in the U.S. because it's a there's a lot of private funds and, and you pay 25 bucks and then hope to, to get in. It's very random and it's very subjective. And I think the most important thing is take time to do an application. Like once mm-hmm. you apply, make sure you are able to uh, tell what your story is about cohesively. And then uh, expect a no, but be very excited when you get a yes. And then every now and then it, it will help you get like that one step further. And in Holland, I made a short film called Thin Ice. And there was this uh, shorts TV, this this uh, organization had a pitching competition. And I submitted Thin Ice, uh, the idea that I had back then for that pitching competition. And I entered different rounds. And I uh, in the end, we all the finalists had to pitch it live, which was terrifying. But then we got that and it was, I think, a 5,000 euro grant which was great but it, for a short we wanted we wanted to try to pay our uh, entire crew and cast so it was only the beginning of, of the financing of our film it definitely had an effect on like the next things we applied for because we already had this like small amount i think we ended up with a 30k budget wow. which was wow. great which yeah. is all through grants and, and we, yeah. we did a crowdfunding afterwards so we yeah we got a grant then we got basically this like half grant that would that asked us to do ha- half of the funding through crowdfunding and then they would supply the other half and mm-hmm. then we got some other company so it, getting that first grant that didn't cover the entire project mm-hmm. did help us also even find the excitement I think, yeah i was yeah i was going. about to say i think it's i think it's a combination right it's yeah. like and it's a little bit of legitimacy yeah that exactly. that get like a stamp of of validation yeah. Yeah. but then also for yourself it's yeah. like okay this is something that is worth making exactly. and and yeah. and yeah and no i was just thinking the talking about tenant earlier i always when i watch a movie i then you know yeah. go go in and look at the reviews and i re uh, read the biography of the filmmaker i feel like i've read i've read wikipedia biographies of every filmmaker ever because i'm always like what was their path yeah after i watch a film so and i remember christopher nolan in i think on his wikipedia page but um it, it says something about how he would apply to all the British film funds and never get anything 
until he was like, I think late twenties, early thirties, he got some, or he, he found like some private person who was able to like fund mm-hmm. his first thing. And it like, it takes a while and you're yeah. going to get a lot of no's. And then if you don't find the funding, still fi- like finding a way, mm-hmm. even in a super tiny context, like on the weekends, creating like very short snippets of films with friends, I think. It, it is a, a tricky medium because it's so expensive to make a film like compared to writing fiction mm-hmm. or, or paint even painting where you do have supplies but it's it's different and you you really yeah. need a bunch of money um, to make something but I don't think that should discourage you and I think even if you have very little because I'm, I'm mostly working in Holland now because of yeah. corona and I'm excited to go back to the US and I was going to do an uh, artist in residency with mm-hmm. the university and make us a, a short with the students but God knows when that's going to happen oh, but I have this kind yeah. of excitement now yeah. once I'm back and once things are like opening slightly hopefully in the near future I, I do think I'm going to be more excited to even make like super small things with mm-hmm. my friends who I've missed so much because I want to make things with them and I and I feel like finding a way even when it's tiny to keep uh, yeah. challenging yourself creatively that's super important because yeah. I notice especially coming out of school a lot of people getting day jobs mm-hmm. but then not f- taking any time on the weekends or the evenings to still be be creative yeah, be creative. yeah. It, it goes really quickly into like oh I, I now kind of accept this lifestyle and I'm, I'm yeah because creativity I mean it's yeah. it's an interesting career to have because it is something you need to actively feed mm-hmm. if you aren't creative in your day or in your week yeah. it's very easy to put it on as plan b or plan yeah, c yeah exactly and then it's, and then it's never gonna happen yeah. yeah which mm-hmm. is very harsh to yeah. say but it, it yeah. you know it the proof is in the pudding like i know that i've i've been through those kind of dry spells yeah, i would yeah, say yeah. because i'm not actively yeah. going like even going to a museum going to the play yeah. going to a movie really like, feed that yeah, flame inside of you because yeah. it needs that extra push yeah, yeah. just because yeah the world doesn't necessarily always view it as a you know valid career um that's obviously changing and it is a huge industry but i remember my grandma was an extra or like no i would say featured extra one of my uh on my pilot that i did she was like a supermarket uh uh client i love it your grandmother yeah she so she uh she played in my supermarket pilot and i remember her being on set and then after a few hours because i think she had to wait like an hour in the beginning and then towards the end when she was done we were obviously still going because she only had one scene Mm -hmm. and she's like guys are still go- like this is such hard work are you when are you having food and when are you resting like she was like very i think uh overwhelmed because she i uh she, she didn't necessarily expect the the work environment to be so right. intense and be so is, hard working yeah. Yeah. and being on a film set it's very it's t- lot, like it's yeah. a lot of hard work yeah. and i think yeah people look at creative things like oh that's just fun and you just like have a blast which is like it's, it's hard right because like, that is like the purpose like you want to yeah. look at a film and see it as real life as, and see it yeah, as this yeah, like exactly. effortless thing yeah, exactly. but there's people like the standing holding it. a boom yeah. sweating yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trying to make that that exactly. shot happen yeah. yeah let's talk about your web series experiences yeah. because you just mentioned your supermarket which yeah. is I don't know how to say it in English. Uh, yeah, oh, the, the title. Yeah, yeah, I'll Gappies. just say it in Dutch. Yeah, Gappies, Hoppies. Yeah. So that also came through yeah. a so, grant through NPO yeah. and Three yeah, Lab. I exactly. Believe. So I did uh, when I made my short film Night as a graduation film in the mm-hmm. U.S. That helped me not only in the U.S. because it kind of introduced me to all this. Once it started doing well in, in festivals, it introduced me to production companies, and I got mm-hmm. a manager out of it. Uh, but I got a manager out of it because I was already working on a feature screenplay that he was excited to help mm-hmm. me uh, further develop. So before we actually sorry, move on yeah, to Hoppies, like, no, yeah. that's actually really interesting uh-huh. because proof of concept, I think, is something that yeah. is really important yeah. that 
what we were saying before also about making yeah. work with your friends yeah. and, and even if it's small, like really yeah. keeping, keeping that alive. Yeah. I think also proof of concept and like having something. Yeah. How has that functioned in your... So in, in my case, Nine was my graduation film and it, um, it, when we were making it, I sometimes like try to go back to that state of mind because now everything I make, it's like slightly more professional. And because of that, there's some pressure going into it. Not even from the outside world. I was like, no, it's still, it's still no one cares. But like <laughs> for me, I'm like, oh, I'm working with this like actual production company. And, and I think with night, it was really just me and my friends wanting to tell a certain story and also just involving all my friends that I had met throughout NYU mm-hmm. and, and being creative with each other and having fun. Then it started getting into uh, festivals, and it really helped. It, it ended up becoming kind of my calling card for, yeah, which is how like, I met you because yeah, yeah, I exactly. read an article about it, yeah, and I was just a lonesome Dutch person in, yeah, in New and York, like and I was like, oh my gosh, there's this yeah. Dutch filmmaker, yeah. and yeah. she seems so cool, and I sent you a Facebook uh, message, yeah. I think, and then, and then now here we are, three years later. Oh, love it, <laughs> but yeah, but that yeah. I think when I was making it, I wasn't aware at all that this mm-hmm. was going to be like part of my portfolio, but yeah. it ended up really being my calling card when it came to next project so it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a proof of concept for a feature version of this uh film but it definitely showed my style and the way Mm i like telling my stories it has a surreal element that i have in in most of my projects so it really was a good uh example of the types of films that i want to make yeah Uh, and it helped me a lot in in kind of building a network from there and that that's what i was going to say i also uh, it also did well in Holland. I played it at a festival at the Netherlands Film Festival here. And through that, I then met production companies here. In Holland, I do love that there's a bit more of a structure for filmmakers who are just starting out. There's like small opportunities that will help you kind of get mm-hmm. uh, uh, your work in a more professional context. So there was this competition for uh, a pilot competition that this part of the the MPO or our public broadcaster, um, they, they had this competition where you could submit an idea. I think you only had to hand in like... Uh, um, a par- like a few paragraphs about what you wanted to uh-huh. make um, so very brief um, and, and they gave you I think 10k was very very little to make one uh, uh, episode of a series and then they would out of the five pilots they would pick one to turn into an entire series mm-hmm. so very exciting opportunity um, uh, and, and through night I met a producer who then wanted to uh, submit something with me and I remember initially because I had only written things from like just my own idea and just because I felt creative and I wanted to make something and but she had she showed me this opportunity I was like well I don't have an idea for a pilot like I I don't know why I should submit because I don't have like anything concrete going on right now that would fit this and she's like well let's brainstorm and then out of that Mm -hmm. that was the first time I was like oh I can also like work with a production company and like come up create for something yeah yeah yeah. which to me felt terrifying because I kind of like having that first phase of it just being you and then writing out ideas that are bad developing them and and then finding something that's worth something and but this time she's like okay let's brainstorm let's come up with something so we ended up coming coming up with this idea for a supermarket series a comedy series that takes place in supermarket called Hoppies which we did we didn't end up winning so we it was a, a pilot competition they picked something else but they did like our pilot and they were like Mm -hmm. we really like your lead character and we also like just the style of the of the uh, pilot so if you have another idea then feel free to submit it we we will consider it to to make into a series but not this uh, specific project 
And I was like, again, to my producer, I was like, well, I don't have an idea, a different idea for a series. Like, this was the idea I had. And if they yeah. don't want it, that's, that's too bad. Um, and then she was like, no, let's make it some. They're like very actively saying the, the actor in combination with the, the style. Like, they want to see something. So it would be a shame mm-hmm. not to submit something to them. Yeah. Um, and then I submitted Featured Extra, the, the series that I just did. And this was like late 2018. Mm-hmm. So we spent all of 2019 submitting like for different phases of funding. So I think about like halfway through. 2019 I got funding for because everyone's on like summer vacation in Holland for a long time so I remember (laughs) submitting in like April and then hearing back in August or something I was able to write the the episodes and then by the end of 2019 we heard that we we got to make the show but 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 by then another production company had seen my pilot and they Mm -hmm. asked me to direct another web series that I then shot over the summer which was Fit Girls so definitely I with my own projects, even when you're making them, you don't think of anything concrete necessarily mm-hmm. coming out of them. Yeah. You just make them because it's fun and it's an opportunity that presents itself to you. But it definitely, in my case, projects have always led to other like, kind of other other projects. Yeah. And, and, and the steps are always... I think in the beginning, I thought the steps were small. And I was like, oh, I want to make a feature. Or I want to make this mm-hmm. or I want to make that. And now I'm noticing like these steps feel very natural. And I think mm-hmm. now that I've made two web series that are eight episodes of 10 minutes. Now I kind of feel excited to hopefully in the future make something that's like 20, 25 minutes. But I think even though I would have always said yes to something two years ago, if someone had said, do you want to make this series that's 20 Mm -hmm. minutes each, uh, eight episodes, I would have been like, yeah, I'm ready for that. Having that experience now of making these web series, I'm like, I think this was the biggest that I could take on at this point in my career. And now I hope to be ready for something slightly bigger, Mm -hmm. but like not rushing the project and uh, process and really realizing that you do need to learn a lot still when you've just made a few shorts and are are trying to get a feature off the ground, like making smaller projects in between really, in my case, has, I I feel like I've grown a lot from those experiences. Mm -hmm. Do you have a bigger project in mind? I have a bunch always, but I find that I also find tricky because I now I'm working with a friend on on uh, expanding an an idea for a series that would be like eight uh, episodes for like 20 25 minutes, and mm-hmm. I have a feature in the U.S. that I've been developing and and writing for since I I graduated after graduation. I got into uh, a lab, through the development studio, the, the this lab that NYU hosted. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's where I f- wrote my first draft. And then I got um, a manager out of that and started kind of presenting it to production companies in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and got notes from them and have developed the script since then. And now it's currently I'm part of this uh, other lab called the From Script to Pre-Production Lab, where they take in scripts that are kind of at a, a further stage of, of, of the writing process mm-hmm. and are getting uh, ready to be packaged and, and working on like the synopsis and the logline, the treatment. So if you pl- mm-hmm. apply the grants that you have a good package. So that's been like a four-year process so far and I'm like it could be four more years till I make it or it could be 10 more years (laughs) because it's a a little bit bigger in scope and I'm realizing now that as a first feature it's Mm -hmm. other especially in the U.S. there it's it's going to feel a bit ambitious to trust a first-time feature filmmaker with a project like this and I'm also developing this idea for a smaller feature that would be in Dutch um, that's it's all very much still yeah. like the beginning phases of, of writing out thoughts mm-hmm. but I think I'm always working on yeah. multiple things which sometimes is overwhelming but I do think especially because you don't know what's going to stick it is important to mm-hmm. develop different ideas but there's also a maximum to your creativity and that's still my, my big struggle mm-hmm. 
And do you have practices in place for when writing? Mm -hmm. Or how do you prioritize that in your day? So I think making sure your Mm -hmm. schedule is free. I think it's the same with working out. Like you're not going to work out until you're like on Monday and Tuesday at these times I'm going to work out. At least for me, I'm like currently... Need to schedule it and pen it in. Yeah, currently not scheduling it and it's not happening. So I feel like very similar, like take it seriously and also Mm -hmm. empty out your day and not have like all these little things going on because I feel like personally whenever i have other things going on i can't i just feel i'm always automatically going to think about all these other things that need to happen yeah um so i think taking it seriously when it comes to scheduling your writing and then Mm -hmm. and then also accepting that on that saturday or on that tuesday i'm going to take all day to write except that it might take until 4 p.m till you write something good down so i think for me personally it doesn't work maybe further in the process once you've kind of established the beginning but um working for a few out like few hours here and there i i really personally need to like empty mm-hmm. out my mind and really uh sit down and and take a, a bunch of time to write because often it doesn't necessarily start really happening until a few hours in and also no, i think turn the most important thing for me is turning off the kind of self-hatred and self-criticism mm-hmm. because you just get lost otherwise and and you have to kind of very in my case at least very actively do that and not question all the writing and i think Mm -hmm. that really helped with the latest web series i did we had like a two or three month time frame to write the episodes so i would write first drafts and i would really hate them Mm -hmm. but i didn't have time to not send them to my producer and then she liked them much more than i thought she would and it kind of made me realize that I'm definitely wasting a lot of mm-hmm. time thinking things are worse than they are. I just like start, I think when you're writing long enough at some point, you just start questioning every yeah. single element of it. And you need to make sure that that doesn't take over the writing process because then you just don't yeah. get No, 100%. But it's hard. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is really difficult. I think one thing that's helped me is like I writing in the morning, like getting the gunk out of my head yeah. for like just three pages. Yeah. I just yeah. write, it's called Morning Pages. I, oh, I think I got so it from cool. this book called The Artist Way. Yeah. And I wake up and I don't think about anything else. Just get a cup of coffee or lemon water in my Mm -hmm. case. And I just write three pages about literally anything. Just stream of consciousness. A lot of the self-hatred for some reason comes out then. Like, why am I doing this? And like, all the worries come up. And then it is like after the first, whatever, hour of my day then. Then I'm like, oh, I have this idea. And I'm actually going to pursue the idea. And like writing everything down too, I think is a huge thing. Because things come to you during the day where you're like, yeah, "Yeah, something happens. And you're like... Oh, that was or, really interesting. Or funny things your mom said. Yeah. I, I will be like in a conversation, I find my mom funny. But like <laughs> with anyone and secretly write down things that my friends or family are saying. Yeah. People say the most hilarious things. Yeah, and, and it, the yeah. world gives you ideas. Yeah, like so being much. open to yeah. that is yeah. so, so important. And write them yeah. down. My boyfriend always says like, the difference between a writer and a and a non-writer is that the the non-writer thinks they'll remember uh, the inspiration they get throughout the day. Because like the next day, you're always like, this funny thing happened, but yeah. I don't remember. So like in the moment, even when it's like not the most social thing to do, because you're like suddenly on your phone, and everyone's like, around. I I always up. in the moment. I have a WhatsApp conversation with myself. That's just oh, that's actually notes. really smart. Yeah. I don't have a WhatsApp yeah. chat with or myself. Like or like notes on my notes on my phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's talk just a bit about you and about directing and and why do you think visual storytelling is the thing that what excites you about it i i think directing i find it just so beautiful that especially when you write that the thing that you write down that's like your own creation that only exists on like a black and white page to be able to like lift that up and make that a real world thing that Mm -hmm. excites me a lot and i think for me the most exciting element of directing or the the most exciting elements are 
one working with actors i think because i came from an acting background i just love being able to make actors comfortable and make them kind of the strongest version of themselves they can be because i think as an actor myself i would always, that would always be like the game changer for me if a director is very like quiet and in their own head i would just become very self-conscious and yeah. when they were very interactive with me and really gave me space to try things out and also fill and then find the the right rhythm of a scene that would really excite me and i think being able as a director to kind of help your actors through scenes and through stories especially when you write it yourself that's just so much fun mm -hmm. and then I also I think what I love with directing is like creating a good environment on a set because it just makes mm -hmm. everyone work harder and yeah. I think that is often forgotten when it comes to like what directing is I think being like the fun person who is mm -hmm. grateful to everyone and who makes sure that everyone feels seen and mm -hmm. feels respected to me that's like 30% at least of being a director. The The funny thing, because I came mostly from like writing uh, and from acting, The when you say like the, what excites you visually, it's like I find that question the hardest because I don't come from like a classical mm -hmm. film school background. Yeah. And yeah. I've never entered directing because like, I love the the setup of mm -hmm. shots. Like I, I I would never watch movies and be like, oh, that coverage was just all that so back and foreground. Yeah, for me, like, it's mostly, it all comes from story and wanting to and the doing, open I guess. a discussion. But that's also yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was it was never necessarily the visual element that made me want to go into directing, but I do think for when I write and and it doesn't become like a visual thing, I do feel like something's missing. I definitely, I love writing when it's kind of the blueprint for uh, mm -hmm. something visual. When I, when it's just writing, I find it so daunting and yeah. the idea that you write something and that's it and yeah. you can just kind of have these limitless opportunities of what to write. I find that really hard. I, I really love the structure that screen, screenwriting gives you where you have to be like very clear and blunt and like this is going to be a visual, uh, like you, you have to write out the representation of what you're going to see and mm -hmm. I, I just, I love that dynamic but it hasn't, yeah. it never came out of like a, a um, desire to create something mm -hmm. visual. It just came out of wanting to tell stories and I think reaching people by exciting them visually the visual art element like my parents yeah. always bring me to museums I just my mom too like we love color and wearing mm -hmm. like fun outfits and then and, and presenting ourselves in a very colorful way because I think it just adds joy to your just yeah. life yeah um, so ha having that in my filmmaking as well I have like, noticed that though I, in your yeah, work I you love, have very yeah. colorful work yeah. like yeah. big girls and hoppies as well like yeah. it's just visually very stunning yeah. and which is very fun and I think yeah that has this shiny vibrant feel yeah. to it yeah and so it is and but they they might be talking about serious things yeah. Yeah. but it is like that that kind of light-hearted yeah light-heartedness um tackling issues that feel like dark and and so the the feature i write i'm writing in the u.s it's about depression it's about mm -hmm. this girl who struggles with anxiety in this very whimsical world where everyone's always supposed to be their most colorful self so the, it takes place in this town where it always rains and because it always rains people have umbrellas all the time and umbrellas are like the most important kind of item mm -hmm. uh, to have and once a year one person in town gets to design the new line of umbrellas which is like the biggest honor you can get in this town because yeah. everyone always needs umbrellas and they're always colorful and they make everyone happy so this one girl she gets the chance to design the next line of umbrellas for this uh, town which is like the biggest honor she can get but then uh, she starts losing her side of colors because she gets so anxious by this chance and everyone's watching her 
colors start dropping out of her world and of her mm-hmm. view so suddenly her world becomes super gray and mm-hmm. she's expected to create this very colorful design that will lift the town spirits up but she's no longer able to tap into that mm-hmm. colorful side of herself so that idea came mostly from wanting to make a story about depression because my closest friend struggles mm-hmm. with depression a lot and i've always tried to understand her and when she would mm-hmm. talk to me it would always be like very metaphorical and yeah and i noticed that Wanting to tell a story about depression, if you do that in a very dark and very sad and very heavy way, it's not going to make people want to engage. They're mm-hmm. kind of want to, what you see is that people just want to look the other way and be like, oh, I don't want right. to tap into that like dark, sad right. side of myself. So if you create something very colorful and then bring in the kind of this element, yeah, 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 that kind of excites me. So I do work in a very visual way, but it starts from what story do I want to tell and how can I do that most effectively? in that visual mm-hmm. uh, context yeah. but it always ends up being like very colorful which is <laughs> yeah. what i like yeah. no but then but that's also your style and i think yeah. that's really great i think you brought up another thing which is just a thing i think that everyone is navigating nowadays it's like what stories should we tell can we tell and yeah. how do we tell them and yeah. yeah what are your thoughts on that i think in an ideal world everyone should be able to tell every story mm-hmm as long as you put really the time and effort to tap into someone else's reality. But I, I also think there's like a, an interesting question of should you want to tell a story that is so not your story to tell? Right. And especially in these times when so many people with certain perspectives haven't been able, haven't been given the opportunity to mm-hmm. tell their stories, why should I uh, tell a story that could probably in a way more deep and, mm-hmm. and three-dimensional way be told by someone else. So I think the idea, I always find it a fascinating question because like obviously the idea of uh, being a, a creator of stories mm-hmm. is to tap into other realities. Like right. otherwise I would just be able to tell the story of this girl who grew up in The Hague and then moved to New York and now is back in The Hague. Like obviously yeah. I want to tell different things as well. I do think you have to take a step back when it comes to giving other people uh, uh, the chance to tell their stories when they haven't ever mm-hmm been able for me always a combination of knowing where i stand in relation to others and then when i want to tackle certain uh issues that i know i don't have full uh uh like a a full perspective or how do you say like a a thought out of opinion of Mm -hmm. entering uh welcoming other people to fill in the gaps and and add their perspectives Mm -hmm. to my story i'm always very open to inviting others in from the very beginning of my writing process and inviting actors or producers or random people that I know mm-hmm. can add, add their kind of perspective to the story and have, have them yeah. read it and, and I mean that so, comes back to the whole collaboration thing too that, yeah. that you've mentioned now a couple of times which is just I feel like integral now to the kind of artist that you are Yeah. but it is I guess also I don't know why people don't do it but it, it might be like an ego thing yeah. as well yeah, which is I so have, dangerous yeah, in yeah, storytelling yeah. and also uninteresting like you are not that interesting. Like, I don't consider myself <laughs> yeah. as having, like, the most important or yeah. interesting perspective, but I do think working with others can kind of create this exciting mix of, of perspective yeah. that often makes films or, or a series the most uh, exciting to watch when there's, yeah. like, all these different kind of questions. That's kind that of the mystical asked. part, yeah. right? Because yeah. I, in the end, like, filmmaking is a combination of the yeah. DP, the director, yeah. the writer, yeah. uh, whether exactly. those are the same person, the yeah. actors. Yeah. And, and if you pretend the, that you're the most important one in the in the yeah. puzzle, that's just gonna limit you. I, I love that there's some. Uh, there was this young filmmaker who uh, created. Uh, I don't remember. She made a film, and she was like, "I didn't put in a film by and then her name mm-hmm. because she was like, it's not like a film by me. It's a film by." all these people and I know I 
I was the the person to initiate it, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's just by me. And I really like that way of thinking. And I, and I, from the very first short I made, it has always been a collaborative process where it was definitely blurry when it came to like who um, put what uh, kind of into the project. Like it wasn't all just me writing 100% and not taking anyone's advice yeah. or anyone's perspective into my story. And then uh, the actors only doing the, the the acting. I always wanted to be a little bit more mm-hmm. like flowy and have yeah. everyone be part of. And I wonder, I wonder if that, I mean, it might be personality thing or if it is a female thing in terms yeah. of holding, yeah. like being in community yeah. and yeah. holding multiple people yeah. in the space and, and being able, yeah. Yeah, yeah, being able to uh, know that it's not a one person yeah. a job. I can imagine being a female thing or just a thing for uh, groups of people who have not been given the opportunity. You mm-hmm. always see that once they are, they want to bring all these other bring people, other people with along them. with the ride. I yeah. think that's such a beautiful thing. And maybe yeah. when you're used to being in a position of power, you are uh, uh, scared to lose it, so you want to maintain mm-hmm. it, so you're not gonna welcome yeah. other people. Yeah, into exactly. Because I don't think everything that. is like a gender thing at all. I think I think no. it's just. Um, how we're socialized. Yeah. I think that's yeah, really, exactly. really important. Yeah. 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 So whether, yeah, whether it's a gender thing or, or, um, or just being in a position yeah. of, of, of power. Yeah. Of, yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Like a marginalization. Like I yeah. think it really, it, re- I mean, this is obvious, but it, it really affects how we show up in the world. Yeah. And I consequently, as an artist, affects the way that you show up in, yeah. in your, in your, in your art. Before we end, I do want to talk a little bit about advocating for your own work yeah. as a woman and just yeah. how showing up yeah. in a space and demanding space yeah. and, and yeah. holding that space. Yeah. How do you navigate that? Um, I find that really hard, like self-promotion. I uh, immediately think of like the social media element of it and yeah. like presenting your own work. I always find it a little bit awkward, but I think you just have to overcome that and be like, if I want people to see my work, I'm going to have to tell them about it because I'm still starting out. And, mm-hmm. and I always... Personally, whenever I make a project, I always just read out, reach out to magazines, to websites. Whenever, whenever I make something, I just tell a lot of people about it. And again, I'm not afraid to like not get a response or not get to get people excited. But just reaching out once you made something is like yeah. so important because otherwise, who's gonna find find? Yeah, you? that's and, this Dutch saying: "Niet geschoten is altijd Yeah, exactly. Like, don't shoot. You if don't, you if you don't yeah, shoot, yeah. you don't score. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I think I really agree with that. And I think, yeah, advocating for your own work is super, it's just a, a, a necessary evil mm-hmm. for some people, but it's also like an exciting way to connect with audiences and like find people to. Yeah, I guess changing your mindset yeah. around it instead yeah. of, yeah, instead of looking at it as the rejection. Yeah, and you're going to yeah. meet interesting people who connect with your work. And that's such a beautiful experience because you yeah. make it. And I think. I think in the end, the making of it is always the most exciting part because then the second it gets out, you're like, oh, I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's like you start seeing all the things that aren't good about it. But I think, yeah, just going for it once you've made something and, and, and not being afraid to reach out to people if you think it, like your project fits their platform or mm-hmm. is worth doing a write-up about. Like that's, that's a necessary element of, of the process. And I think on a set, it's interesting because I'm still often like, um, the, when I'm the director... That often still like DPs, gaffers, mm-hmm. ADs. There's a lot of men. Like I, you work as a woman with mm-hmm. a lot of men, and I think I don't know. I don't have a super. But I think really take yourself seriously mm-hmm. in terms of like you are worthy of being there. You worked hard mm-hmm. to be there, and and making sure that you. I don't think take yourself seriously as in finding yourself important on the set and wanting the attention, but accepting that you, like you earned this job and and yeah. 
even when you're not, you might be like younger than some of the people there, or you're a woman, and there's all these kind of men with mm-hmm. who who think they know it better. Like owning your talent and 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 your drive and your ambition, and then just making having a good time. Yeah. I think on set, it's for me, it's all about like being fully there, fully present, interacting with everyone, asking questions, not being afraid to fail. I think for this past web series, we had one scene that was like a four page scene. I'd never made a scene that was that long and had all these, it was like a scene in which a music video took place. So it was like kind of a very complicated scene for me to shoot. And I remember on set at some point I got so overwhelmed because I found it so difficult to like be in control of like all the different angles that we had to to shoot. And and then just admitting that and having open conversations with your DP, with your team, with your director's assistant about like, how are we tackling this? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, admitting not even to your flaws but to your limitations when you're yeah. just starting out and and that's it i think such an important so it's a good it. balance then, to have as well yeah. between like um in being in control but also being like i'm vulnerable and yeah, i'm human exactly. and that is yeah. also like yeah. also admitting to that yeah i think very often we run away from, from yeah. that yeah from admitting that you don't know that everything. we don't know everything and yeah it is part of the director's job is not necessarily to fake it but you, you have to make decisions you can't be like right. uh, uh 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 you decide because like mm-hmm. then someone else should direct it so I do think there's but I think accepting that some of the decisions you're going to make aren't going to be the right ones because you're still learning and then also if you're on a set and there's a moment where you're like I really don't know this being able to communicate that with others and Mm -hmm. and uh and solving these issues together because you're often on a set with 20 to 30 people and I I will have like the, for my latest uh, uh, series, Onset Sound, what, she's one of my best friends mm-hmm. and she's also a great writer and director. So I would talk to her about scenes even. So I also think like mm-hmm. not looking at others in any limited way. Cause as a separate I, thing. Know, yeah. As a separate thing. Like yeah. everyone can bring in interesting uh, 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 feedback. And I think once you hit that moment on the set where you're like, ah, oh, I don't know, like being open to like having that discussion with right. others about what the right way of working is in that moment. And then at the same time, obviously like trusting yourself that you also can make these decisions and, right. and, and work right. hard and then do well, yeah. Okay, rapid fire. These are three questions. Yes. Uh, a movie you think the world needs to see? I mean, Amelie. But I think most of the world has seen it. But so good. That's a really yeah. good one. A book that they should read. I'm currently reading uh, Sadie Smith Intimations. It's a book about kind of COVID time. So right now, I think this book is is, is great because it's all these different uh, smart uh, uh, small essays about mm-hmm. the times we're currently living yeah. in. So I would say that music. I'm a big Bonnie Ver fan, James Blake, but it's all kind of sad, so I want something happy. So I would say Rain on Me, Lady Gaga. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And because you're a visual a visual art lover, a visual piece of art that you... All of Picasso. But especially, like, I think he is known for uh, his later uh, uh, work, but I think his early work that's more naturalistic, like seeing how he progressed from his more naturalistic style into his kind of surreal uh, uh, visual work. That's very interesting, like tracking. I think in general, like tracking people's careers and seeing how they... I think that's what we were talking all the way at the start of the conversation where you're saying about with your film club and tracking, actually going back. It's it's really interesting. It's really fascinating. And then I just saw, I I, I was in France and I saw a um, show by Kahinda Wiley. He made Obama's portrait, his White House Mm -hmm. uh, portrait. That was so beautiful. And he makes amazing work. Um, So yeah. well, thank you. Thank you thank for being you. here. This is my first ever podcast. This is so oh my gosh. fun. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and leave a review or share the link with your community. You can check out Yosha's work on YouTube, Vimeo, and her website, all linked in the show notes. Next week's episode will be up at the same time, 9 a.m. GMT. Stay tuned on all updates on the podcast's Instagram, at Podcast. Doodoo!